Charles, you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 9 this evening. Now, I know last month, uh, verse number 6 was our memory verse. And so I kind of want to highlight a little bit about it and the importance of it, but then also um, some background uh, around the verse. Because um, I don't know, you know, maybe someone here, while they were memorizing, you know, um, 1 Corinthians 3 6, you know, they came across this guy, Apollos. You probably maybe said, who in the world is this Apollos guy? And so we're going to look at it a little bit about that. And uh, just real briefly, but we're going to look more so about what Paul was uh, teaching and, and, and talking and writing to the First Corinthian church to help them with their ministry. And, and so we're going to look at that this evening. Um, title of the message here, Lessons from the Harvest. And uh, look here at verse number 1 of First uh, Corinthians chapter 3. It says here, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth, and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer, and we'll dive right in this evening. Father, we thank you so much again, Lord, that um, you want to use us as frail, broken, imperfect, weak vessels that we are. God, you want to use us to spread the gospel to this uh, lost generation. And Father, we do pray, God, that you would uh, help us tonight as we look at these verses, God, that you encourage us to um, to be more uh, brave and to and to have courage to speak out and to witness to people. And uh, and Lord, that we would see the um, the results of of our effort. Father, we do thank you so much again for your grace. And just ask that you would meet with us tonight, God, that you speak to hearts. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Alright, so, uh, kind of a little bit of introduction and backdrop. Um, Paul is writing uh, to, the, to the Corinthian church here uh, to address some things that were going on in the church. Um, he founds out that there are some issues that he had been hearing about. And so that's the whole reason why we have the, the, the books of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Um, first Corinthians, he heard a lot of things that he, he wasn't pleased with. And so he was writing back with them to, to help them and correct them with some errors that they had allowed to come into the church. Um, this church was a church that he had started earlier, uh, and entrusted to other men to keep it going. So Paul started the Corinthian church 
And then he went on uh, to other areas. Um, in chapter 3, Paul deals with a schism that has arisen between church members. Uh, this schism was one that Paul said was both carnal and childish. Uh, you know, he said, look, you shouldn't be doing this. This shouldn't even be in a, a matter I have to even address. But it was. Because the Christians here uh, had not grown. They were still acting like children. And here he was trying to, to help them to get past that. Um, it was something mature Christians should not have in the church, and he was making sure to address this issue. So, who was Apollos? As we read here a few uh, verses ago, uh, Apollos, you know, as he said here, we're reading in 1 Corinthians, um, Apollos was a Jewish man who knew the Scriptures, uh, but only as far as the baptism of John. Uh, he, he had heard about uh, the preaching of John. He had repented. Uh, and so he was going around. And he was preaching that, that the Jews need to repent and get ready for the Messiah to come. And so that's all Apollos knew until Acts chapter 18. See, he hadn't heard about Jesus and the, and the crucifixion yet. And so he, in Acts chapter 18, uh, you can read uh, later about um, Aquila and Priscilla meeting and hearing Apollos preaching at Ephesus, and they were helping Paul start the church there in Ephesus. And as they heard him preach, they took him aside and they taught him all what had happened since the time of John the Baptist. They taught him the Scriptures and about the crucifixion of Christ. Well, Apollos believed immediately. He became a a, a strong preacher. Uh, He... um, he then, instead of was preaching just the repentance of John, uh, he started preaching that the Messiah had come and he had been crucified for our sin. Uh, scripture says that he was able to convince the Jews uh, from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah and that they needed to get saved. And um, after a while there in Ephesus, uh, he had a burden to go to Achaia, which was a province in Greece. At that time, Greece was broken up into different provinces. And so he said, I want to go to Achaia. And, uh, and he arrived in Corinth after Paul had, had left. Uh, there he helped the church to grow. And more people were saved through his ministry. Uh, but sadly, people began to group themselves under who led them to Christ, and they wouldn't have fellowship with the others. Apollos, uh, at that time, he had gone on to another city, by the time that Paul wrote this letter, so he had no idea what had what was going on in the church there, that people were, were separating themselves and not having fellowship with one another. Um, I mean, it, it was just it was kind of dividing the church and they weren't united and reaching uh, the, uh, the city of Corinth with the gospel. Um, so he had to address this situation. But then he goes on and says, you know, uh, look at verse number five. He said, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? Uh, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave ye every man. So he said here, look, it's not about who led you to Christ. It's not about who brought you to church. It's not about who taught you the scriptures. Uh, because God gave us to you. He, you know, he brought Paul to Corinth. He brought Apollos to Corinth. They got saved. They began to grow. They began to grow as a church. So he said it's not about the individual. And so he goes on to verse number 6. 
I have planted, Paulus watered, but God gave the increase. So he said, look, I planted, I, I started uh, the work there in Corinth, uh, but Apollos came in, he watered it, and then, but God is the one who gave the increase. It wasn't us. It wasn't Apollos who, who is the special person. It wasn't I, Paul, who was the special person who did everything and, and, uh, and created everything. No, he said it was God that did the work. We just had a part in it. And, um, and so Paul then goes on to reveal that the matter of evangelism and starting a church is not built upon one person only, and that it is themselves that make it grow. It takes everyone doing their part, and each person may have a different part in these areas several times. Uh, I'll be honest with you, it's not pastor's job to reach Balancholic, just his, his job alone. It's not his job alone to reach Cork. It's our job. It's us. It's up to us. You know, uh, it's not up just to the the, uh, the church leadership to, to do all the soul winning and, and reaching out and trying to make a difference in the community. No. Here he's saying, look, it's we all have a part. We all have to do this thing together. Um, so Paul likens the building of a church and its growth to farming. Um, for many, soul winning and evangelism is a very difficult thing to do. For one, it takes people out of their comfort zone. Uh, it makes you uncomfortable because, first of all, you have to talk to somebody about an issue that's usually not discussed. Most people don't like to think about death. They don't like to think about what's going to happen when they die. To them, life is, they're, they're in their bubble, they're in their routine, and they don't think it's ever going to end. But sadly, it will one day. And, uh, and, but most people, they, they try not to think about it. They, 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 they push it aside and, and they'll deal with it when they come to it. Um, but sometimes, sadly, it's too late before they can deal with it. And, uh, so, for us, um, soul winning can be uncomfortable. Uh, it, it gets us beyond, you know, for those who, who have a struggle with talking with people anyway, it's gonna be difficult to do. But there's a good reason to do it. And we're going to look at that tonight. Um, God uses the effort of us all to do great and wonderful things for His glory. As I said before, uh, He uses weak, broken, um, imperfect vessels in order to reach the people around us. Uh, I mean, you know, if I was if I was God and I wanted to make sure his message was heard, I would choose the best. You know, the ones who could uh, you know, could you know, sell a car or a used car salesman a used car, you know? <laughs> uh someone who could who could um, you know, be very savvy with their words and very convincing, very uh very charismatic in a sense of of uh a very dynamic person. You know, if I was God, I'd want to use someone who could get the message across the best. And yet, He decides to use those who stutter, use those who have a hard time talking, use those who uh, English isn't their first language, uh, who struggle with trying to to find a way to um, you know to tell somebody how they can get saved. Those who are afraid to talk to people. He uses those people. That's amazing that God would want to do that. 
But He wants to use you and I. See, every part is needful. Um, and we're going to look at some of these parts this evening and some other lessons from the harvest of evangelism, church planting, and building. So looking at verse number 6, we're going to see three results from uh, every opportunity to witness. Uh, verse number 6 says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, so that neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. So, got a little uh, audience participation, so to speak, tonight. Um, well, I, I want to ask you here, um, when you got saved, I believe most people in here are born again, when you got saved, you, be, you decided to become a Christian the very first time that you heard the gospel. Is there anybody in here that the very first time you ever heard the gospel, you got saved? Okay, there's a couple. Okay. Uh, how about after a couple times? You know, maybe it wasn't the very first time that you heard the gospel, but, you know, maybe uh, a couple times, maybe you started coming to church for a couple weeks and, and, uh, and you realized, you know what, I need to get saved. How about that? There's a couple people. Now, how about those who, after multiple times of hearing the gospel, maybe coming to church for several weeks on end before finally you understood, wow, I'm lost. I need to get saved. Uh, I would be in that category. You know, I could probably count at least ten times that I heard the gospel before I got saved. Um, So when we're out there evangelizing and talking to people and witnessing to them, don't be discouraged if they don't get saved right then and there. Because it might not be time yet. They may not have understood uh, everything yet. It took you time to understand, didn't it? To really to, to connect everything. You know, for the knowledge in your head to come down into your heart. So you have to have patience with people sometimes. But we have to be there to be the one witnessing. Now, we're going to look at three different stages here. First of all, sowing the seed. Okay? This is when you speak to someone about the gospel who has never heard it or of whom the devil had snatched it away from their heart previously. Uh, this is the planting stage. This is, you know, oftentimes when no one has ever heard anything about the gospel. This can be done just by witnessing to someone, handing them a track, hearing preaching, something where they hear about God and His plan of salvation. Uh, I can tell you today, even in 21st uh, century um, of this world, uh, there are millions of people who have never heard the gospel. Never heard. Don't have any clue who this Jesus Christ is. Uh, or if they ever have heard, what they, what they know and what they're told and what they're shown is not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. And sadly, there are probably millions here in Ireland who have never heard the true gospel. We don't have to go all over the world to find people who don't know Christ. They're in our backyard. They're in our backyard. Secondly, watering. Sorry. Watering the seed. 
When you water, this is the, the result of witnessing to someone who, maybe they've heard the gospel before, but uh, it could have been a long time ago, or, or they may not have completely understood what they had heard the first time. And so when, when a person comes along and they start witnessing to somebody, uh, it begins to confirm what they had heard before, or heard previously. And uh, you're adding water, you're adding more information, you're adding uh, uh, more uh, of what uh, they can put together in their, in their mind, in their heart, about the gospel. Uh, sometimes when you're witnessing to someone, you don't have an opportunity to go through the whole gospel. Uh, you know, there's, sometimes you're going door to door and you get to, uh, so far with the gospel before an interruption comes in. Or someone says, you know, or, or they, they run out of time. Uh, or, or something that is said, you know, really, uh, impacts their heart and they said, I, 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 I can't, I can't hear anymore. I, 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 it's too much. Um, watering is coming around and you're reinforcing what the previous person or previous method of witnessing to him had done. So you're watering that seed. Um, just like in farming, it takes more than just planting a seed to get a harvest. I mean, you know, uh, if you ever um, went out and saw the crops and things like that, especially in, in the United States, you know, you go out to these fields, and I mean, there is just huge machines that are watering the fields and things like that. Uh, if it all it just took was just planting, there'd be no no reason for those kind of machines. Uh, but there, it takes more than just putting a seed in the ground in order to get a harvest. It takes water to enrich the soil and to help the seedling germinate and grow. See, if a seed isn't watered, it won't become more than a seed. It takes Sometimes it takes more. It usually takes more. Now, some seeds need more water than others. Some, you know, if they, as we're, I'm going to show you here in a minute, as soon as water comes in, boom, they begin to grow. But there's other times where you, it needs a lot of water before that seed will actually grow. Now, um, you know, God has given us creation to learn from. I mean, uh, we look around us and uh, nature itself, uh, I mean, screams about that there is a God. And when you can look back and see and, and look at just how amazing God created our world, uh, it would astound you. Um, a few years ago, uh, Jennifer and I, we kind of, we found out these, these movies called Planet Earth. And, um, they made two different series of it. But the first one, uh, had broken up different locations, different types of, of geos, uh, uh, geospheres or, um, not geospheres, but, um, uh, different kind of, of zones and things like that. For example, mountains, forests, plains, caves, uh, under the water, all this different kind of stuff. And it highlighted different um, habitats about all these different things. And, uh, you know, of course, they always do the evolution spin on everything, you know. But you look at the amazing footage and technology that they have, and you can look at it through the, the eyes of a Christian and look at this and say, wow, God is amazing. And, uh, I mean, some of the things that, I mean, I it actually taught me some things about what I'm teaching you tonight. It helped me understand them more. For example, um, you guys might know this a little bit. This is Death Valley. Okay, Death Valley is the hottest 
place on the earth. Uh, it often suffers from years of severe drought and barrenness. It is often seen as a desert. Um, it maybe receives two inches of rain a year, if that. That's just the average. So most years, probably less than that. Two inches about that much. We get that every single day here almost. <laughs> but here, this location, they get two inches of rain. Okay. Sometimes when the waters come in, now uh, last year and in 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 the year before, they, they had some water. Uh, I think it was last year, six inches of water fell one time. Six inches. Okay. Again, that's like a day here. Um, six inches of water fell. This is the transformation that it happened within one day. Within one day. Um, it's amazing what water can do. Okay? This is a quote from a lady. She says, I've lived in Death Valley for 25 years, and I've seen lots of blooms in Death Valley, and kept thinking I was see- seeing incredible blooms. Uh, I was always very excited until I saw one of these super blooms. This is what they call a super bloom. Uh, and then I suddenly realized there are so many seeds out there just waiting to sprout, just waiting to grow. I had no idea that there was that much out there. Another person said, the flowers have adapted to the desert by developing seeds with coatings so thick or waxy that they can hibernate for decades. Only continued heavy rains will coax them to grow. Um, See, the seeds were already in the soil, waiting for the rain to come and help them bloom. These flowers will then drop seeds, which will lay dormant until the next really wet winter. How many people are in here in Balancholic and Cork, they've heard the gospel maybe one time, and yet no one has been by their door again to water the seed. Who knows? Might just need a little bit of water to see a person get saved. See, there are many people you know who have heard the Gospel, perhaps even years ago. You know what? They need to hear the Gospel again. They need to hear the Word of God again to water the seed that is planted. Uh, Keep on witnessing to them. Keep on trying to reach out to them. Now, sadly, uh, the hardness of a person's heart uh, towards God creates a soil that is very difficult to grow anything spiritual in or accept the watering of the Word of God. Sometimes God has to be allowed to work to soften and to break up the soil before the water of the Word of God can nourish the seeds uh, that are buried deep inside a person's heart. That's why sometimes God has to break a person before they'll listen, before they'll really hear. It's okay. It's okay if we let them break them. Because God knows what He has to do sometimes. And it's hard for us to watch and to see that, um, but God knows what He's doing. Sometimes a little suffering here is worth, uh, is worth it compared to an eternal suffering that they could go through. Okay? Um, it's what brought me to salvation. Okay? 
when I when my sister was going through cancer, her suffering, her death, it broke my heart. And it made me and got me to a a place in my life where I was searching for God. I was I was open to to hearing what God had to say. And it was just a few weeks after my sister had passed away, less than a month, that I began to start coming to church, hearing the gospel being preached, and I realized I needed to get saved. But I'll, I can almost guarantee you, had I not gone through that, I probably would not have gone to church. I could not, I could not say I would be here today. I could not say I would be a Christian today. Had God not had to go in and break up the soil and break up the hardness of my heart, my pride that kept me from salvation, I don't know if I'd be a Christian today. But it took that watering after God had to... I've heard the gospel before, before my sister had the, had her, uh, had cancer, but my heart was still hard, and God had to go in and break up that soil so that when, when I started hearing the gospel again, I began to understand and began to... to uh, to put things in, in order and process and, and it led honestly to my salvation. But sometimes you have to let God work. When you're talking to someone and you, and you can see that God's word is affecting their hearts, but they're not ready to make a decision yet, you know what? You're watering the seed of the gospel. Keep on watering. Keep praying for that person and look for another opportunity to share the gospel with them again and adding more water. Sometimes people just need a, a little bit of time to to think things through, to to ponder what they've heard, and and to think about the scriptures. But keep praying for them, pray for their soul, and then go back. Reaping the seed. The last result is when we get to lead a person to Christ, or a person gets saved. This is usually a culmination of the two previous efforts. You know, the amazing thing is is that it can be just one person involved in the whole process or a multitude of people involved, uh, depending on how much water is needed in the heart of the individual. Um, and again, sometimes it can take a long time. Another thing about creation is what I was telling you about. Uh, the highlighted areas on this map in green are what's called the tiger forest. It's the largest coniferous forest in the world. And uh, this location up here uh, covers three continents of forest. And here's one of the amazing things. Because it borders the tundra of the, of the North Pole, uh, it gets so cold at times that um, for a, uh, a, a tree to, you know, when it has its seedling drop into the ground, uh, it, it can actually take over 50 years for this seedling to actually begin to grow and to begin to uh, become a tree. It can take over 50 years because of the extreme cold. Uh, when, I, when I heard that and when I saw that, it reminded me, you know what? There's a lot of people who maybe they've heard the gospel but it's years before they ever become a Christian. Uh, you, you've heard the stories, you know, people witness to their dad or, or to their family members or loved ones, and they witness to them and they prayed for them and they prayed for them, and, and after decades, 
They finally get saved. They finally get saved. Sometimes the soil isn't the greatest for a, a seed to grow. That's why you have to let God work on that person's heart. But keep on being faithful. Keep on praying. Keep on watering it. And it might just take a while for that seed to grow. But don't give up. See, every seed planted has a different amount of time before it's ready to harvest. And uh, we're, we're basically called to work and leave the results up to God. God knows what's on their heart. God knows where they're at. He knows exactly what they're going through. He knows what He is He's drawing them. He's bringing them under conviction. He's using situations in their life to try to point them to Him. Uh, he knows all the background information. We're supposed to just be in there faithful and witness and try to be an encouragement and try to, to, to see that person get saved. Uh, it's not up to us to try to, to figure out some, okay, if I, if I figure out an even more smooth way of talking to a person, I'll get more people to get saved. It's not that way. Uh, and it's not about getting a person to say a prayer either. Because that's a false salvation. Saying a prayer doesn't get anybody saved. It's all about the heart. And if you're, and if that's all you're trying to do is you're trying to get a prayer, you're preaching a false gospel. Something that they need to pray from, it's a decision they have to do from their heart. They have to repent of their, of their sin and their life without God and turn towards Christ. Okay? We're supposed to keep working. We're supposed to, to keep on just preaching the gospel and leave everything, leave the results to God. If the Lord allows you to, to see someone get saved, rejoice. Be sure to, 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 to brag on the Lord and, and thank the Lord for that opportunity. But if it's just planting and planting and planting and planting and a little bit of watering and watering and watering, rejoice anyway. Because that's what we're supposed to do. Keep on being faithful. Keep on just doing it and let God work and use that situation and work on their heart and allow that that seed to, to start growing. But sadly, not every seed planted will grow. I wish that every single person that we witnessed to would get saved. <laughs> That's my desire. That should be the desire of everyone in here. You know, the, 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 our loved ones, our friends, uh, our neighbors, the people that we run into, the people that are on the street. I would, I wish that just by talking to them, witnessing to them, that they'd all get saved. But sadly, not everybody will. And that's their decision to make. It's not, uh, it's not anything because of you. It's that person's decision to accept Christ, so don't take rejection personal. Okay? If someone gives out to you, you know, for just trying to tell them about the gospel, don't take it to heart. Don't let it discourage you. Don't let it stop you from telling the next person about Christ. Because I'll tell you right now, the devil would love to use that to stop you from ever giving the gospel again. I know a lot of people who give up on soul winning, give up on door-to-door because they ran into a, someone who gave them a hard time 
at the door or a hard time on the street or whatever and uh, they got discouraged. Don't take that discouragement personally. It's not you that they have an issue with. It's God they have an issue with. And it's their decision. If they choose to reject God, there's consequences for it. If they choose to get saved, then there's the consequences for that too. That's a home in heaven. But don't be discouraged. But we're not. It doesn't mean that we're just. Oh, they're never going to get saved. Don't don't take that wrong. Because we don't know their heart. God is the only one who knows their heart. We're supposed to just keep on being faithful. Don't automatically just judge them and say, oh, you'll never get saved. Because there's a lot of people who are saved today who people had given up on. Any hope for. Instead of giving up on them, keep praying for them. Keep witnessing to them. Keep having that hope that, you know what, uh, just keep on praying. I mean, I know people uh, who claim that, you know, they said that their mother was praying for them to get saved, and they didn't get saved until after their mother passed away. Yet, I believe those those prayers kept were powerful and even went beyond the grave, so to speak, and worked on that person's heart. <clears throat> Soul winning doesn't end when a person gets saved. I know we just looked at the three there, but it doesn't that's not it. Just because when you, you're you know, maybe maybe the Lord lets you to to lead a person to Christ, it doesn't end there. Um Yes, they now have their sins forgiven, a new home in heaven, a changed life, everything like that, but that's not the end. What I mean by that is a soul winner's job does not end at conversion. New Christians need support. Like tethered trees. You know, when you plant a new tree, most times people would post stakes next to that tree to keep it going strong and make it to grow straight. Because if they don't, the tree will either grow awkward or the wind will come in and just blow it right over. It's important for trees to be tethered and it's important for new Christians to have support. Because just like the wind coming in and blowing in and and uprooting that little sapling, the devil will come in, the pressures of the world will blow and try to uproot uh, what the new life that, that this person has decided to live, and they'll be knocked down. See, new Christians need discipleship and someone to come along and invest in them to help them keep growing into a mature Christian. Sadly, this is where a lot of churches fail. Well, they get people saved, but it's like a revolving door. They don't stay. They don't stick. They don't grow. Because people don't take the time to disciple, to help them to understand uh, what Scripture teaches. And new converts end up falling out of church, or they go back to the world, or they find a church that will take the time to help them. So how, how can we help? You know, Maybe we don't get a chance to lead that person to the Lord. How can we help people coming in? Well, first of all, befriend visitors who come through that door. You know, when, when we get visitors, uh, we should be the most friendly church in Cork. And I believe we are. But, I mean, people should come in and, and they should be, uh, you know, uh, welcomed and, and made to feel welcome, made to feel home 
Because one reason people do not come back after visiting is because they don't feel any connection to keep them coming back. Um, you know, if if they come here and and no one and they don't know anybody, if nobody introduces themselves, nobody spends time with them, they probably won't be back. The odds are they probably won't be. That's why we need to go and we need to uh, introduce ourselves, befriend them, um, you know, encourage them to to keep on coming. That's how anyone could help, you know, when people come through that door. Or even if a new person who starts coming to church or start or just recently gets saved, be an encourager. Not someone who makes them doubt or discourages them from serving God. Be an encourager. Um, I'll be honest with you. I went through some really hard times of discouragement, depression after I got saved. I was still dealing with the loss of my sister. Um, I dealt with depression quite a bit shortly thereafter. And I'll be honest with you, had it not been for about four or five strong individuals, not necessarily strong in, in, in you know, um, trying to think here of the right word, uh, not just, just character maybe, you know, like their personality. Um, these were just several people in the church that they knew I was going through a hard time, through a time of discouragement, and they just decided, you know what, we're going to befriend this guy, and we're going to encourage him, and we're going to help him to, to keep on coming to church, uh, keep on inviting me out to church, um, you know, keep after me, see if you know, make sure I'm reading my Bible. Um, had it not been for these individuals, uh, I mean, one of them. You know, kind of became like a, a, a well, several, a couple of them actually became like a, a another mom to me, so to speak, another mother. And uh, you know, they 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 kind of took me underneath their wing and and uh, and really just loved on me like another child and uh, of theirs. And so it really helped me to find uh, um, strength to keep on being faithful. And. Um, Honestly, I really believe it was because of those people who really took took their time out of their schedules, out of their busyness, to just come up and love on me and to help teach me, invest in me. That's what kept me in the race. That kept me serving the Lord uh, during those dark times. Um, and we don't know when those people walk through those doors what they're going through. They could be going through some really deep heartbreak. And all they need is just someone to encourage them, someone to love on them, someone just to, to give them a shoulder, just to kind of lean on for a little bit. And our job is to help point them towards Christ and help encourage them, help and 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 help them to grow stronger. Lastly, tonight there'll be rewards in heaven. See, usually every employer gives you tools that you need to do a job. God has equipped you with spiritual gifts to work His fields with. See, God prepares you for His work. He doesn't just leave you uh, uh, um, alone and says, well, good luck. No, He has He has uh, equipped you. He has um, gifted you. Uh, different. You may have different abilities than other people. And uh, but he has prepared you to be a witness. He has prepared you. See, there's a, a quote that we often hear about: "Wherever God guides, He provides." Often He provides throughout the work 
and not always before the work is started. So as you're witnessing to someone, uh, as you kind of um, have that opportunities to talk to people about the Lord, uh, He'll help you. He'll, he'll equip you. Um, ask God to help you talk if you're not a great conversationalist. Uh, some people here, they have a hard time having a conversation with a complete stranger or with somebody, especially maybe about soul winning, about their soul. Ask God for bravery when you're afraid to talk. Ask God for wisdom when you may not remember all the scriptures. Uh, ask God for, for, to, to help equip you for the things that you need, that you know that you need help with. Um, God will re- reward a person according to their own labor, not the labor of their neighbor or another family member. Look at verse number seven again. So he that, ne- so then he, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Verse number 8, Now that he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So what you do for the Lord, when you're, when you're talking and you're evangelizing and you're trying to, t- to talk to someone about their soul, God will reward you for what you do. Whether you're planting, whether you're watering, uh, one isn't more important than the other. They're both needed. They're both needed. So He will reward you according to your own labor, not what somebody else has uh, has done. It's, it's up to what you're... You're not going to be rewarded for what you don't do. Um, for what It's for what you do do. Now, um, we all will give an account at the judgment seat of Christ for what we've done on earth for Him since we've been saved. Uh, turn, if you would, to just hold your place real quickly here. 1 Corinthians 5.10. We're just about finished. Or sorry, Second Corinthians five ten. See again, this life is not all there is to live. There's going to come a time when we're going to breathe our last breath, and there will eventually come a time of judgment. Um, it says here, verse number ten: For we must all appear before the judgment seat. Of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we're gonna be we're gonna be held accountable for what we do and for what we don't do. So if you know if if the the Holy Spirit's work on your heart saying, Yeah, you know, you need to get out witnessing, you need to go out soul winning. You need to go out and talk to your neighbors, you need to uh to hand out tracts, you need to, you need to do this. And you say, no, I don't want to. You can be held accountable for that. And sadly, uh, I believe when we get up there and God, you know, when we're rewarded and God's going to show you, look, you could have had these had you actually obeyed. These are treasures that you gave up, that you forfeited because you wouldn't yield and you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't do what I asked you to do. We're all going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Every single one of us. And some it's going to be a very scary time. I think for all of us it's going to be a scary time. Because honestly, we've, none of us has, has fulfilled God's will perfectly. Um, but we can st- still keep doing our best. That's why I'm glad that the Bible says that God's compassions are renewed every single day. 
His mercy is renewed every single day. He gives us another opportunity to serve Him. We may be stubborn and not want to do anything for the Lord on one day, and yet He gives us another chance the next to do something great. We should make sure those days that we do do something for the Lord outweigh those where we don't. But thankfully, He is compassionate and He will give us another opportunity. So whether you've planted, watered, or God used you to bring a person to Christ, you will be rewarded for your effort. Uh, one job is not above the other. You'll re- be rewarded for your effort. But all three steps are needed to be done. The planting is not the most pleasant. Because sometimes that's the hardest. You know, when you're breaking up that, that, that ground and you're trying to get that, those seeds in, that can be the most discouraging sometimes because usually people don't want to listen. They don't have time. They would rather have do something else than listen to somebody tell them about the gospel. Usually the planting is the hardest part. Then watering, you come along. Uh, sometimes a little bit easier. Sometimes uh, it is discouraging because you don't get to see someone get saved maybe, but you can tell that the Word of God is, is affecting their heart. Um, just got to keep faithful. But no matter what, in every single area, when you're witnessing somebody, you got to stay faithful. Stay faithful at doing it. Leave the results up to the Lord. So in conclusion tonight, a church is not built upon one person only. And that it is themselves that make it grow. It's not all about one person that is doing all the work. It takes everyone doing their part. That's what makes a church a church. We're all serving each other. We're all ministering to each other. We're ministering to the lost. We're ministering to this, our communities, uh, our, our, this, the city, the people that we're around. That is what makes a church. And, and we all need to do our part. We can't just rely upon just a couple of people doing everything. We all have to be a part of the ministry. Whenever you speak to someone the Word of God, you're either sowing, watering, or you could get the opportunity to reap. Often it takes a lot of work to plant and water, but keep doing it. You never know when they'll get saved. You'll never know. Um, Keep on being faithful. Don't give up on someone who isn't saved. Keep watering and let God break the hardness of their heart if He has to. And Whether you've planted, watered, or God used you to bring a person to Christ, you will be rewarded for your effort. One job is not above the other. All three steps are needed to be done. So can I ask you tonight, will you get into the business of reaching souls for Christ? You may be asking yourself, yeah, how? How can I, how can I do this? How can I, how can God use me to, to reach, uh, people with the gospel? Well, first of all, coming out on soul winning on Saturday. That's the biggest one. Or coming out sometime throughout the week. Um, and honestly, if, if, if you're scared, you know, if you really are intimidated or frightened to, to go to somebody's door, I know people are that way. They can't, they, they have a hard time, even just that, that confrontation, they just can't do it. Um, I'll give you leaflets to drop in the doors. I know, I'll give you an area to say, here, here's some tracks, go put them in the doors. The gospel's still getting out. You don't have to talk to anybody if, if that's what you're afraid to do. But at least 
try and do something to get the, the gospel out to somebody. Um, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of tracks that need to be stamped, that need to be out, that need to be put out into doors, that need to be uh, reached in our community. Uh, I've got leaflets for children's church that I've got thousands of them. And I want to get as many homes in Balancholic as I can do. It's already June, and it's and and I want to uh, and I want to get them out before it's too late. June is just a couple weeks away. Um, I want to get these out, but I need help. I need you know whether it's during the week or on the weekends. I need help. I can't do it alone. You know, um, we can't reach our community alone. We need help. We need everyone to uh, to band together and to reach our our community. Matthew 9.37 says this, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The harvest isn't the problem. It's the laborers. People don't want to go. People don't want to talk to anybody about the Lord. God says, look, the harvest is plenteous, Where's the laborers? Where's the laborers? That's where you and I come in the situation. Where's the laborers? So I encourage you tonight, get back into soul winning if you haven't been there for a while. Uh, keep going out. If you're, if you're, if you're going out, stay faithful. Keep doing it. And then you may say, well, I've never done it. Come on out. See what it's all about. Just, Take that opportunity, just you know, uh, you'll enjoy it. You really will, especially when you get to start seeing God reward you for your effort. Seeing people get saved, seeing the church grow, seeing things like that—that's that's blessings, really, to see that kind of thing. And uh, so I encourage you, take that step. Come on out, uh, be a witness to the Lord. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer, and we'll be finished. Father, we thank You so much again for Your love. Lord, thank You for Your grace that You gave us opportunities to hear the Gospel. Lord, that we were blessed to hear the Gospel in the first place. But Lord, some of us, we need to hear it several times. Thank You, Lord, for not uh, um, allowing us to die in between those times because we would have been lost and on our way to hell. God, we just ask You that You would help us to be bold, courageous. Lord, having a mindful of, of those as, that we walk past the street, their souls on a, a destination somewhere. And uh, we don't know if, it's, if, if they're born again or not. Most likely, they're probably not. And uh, Lord, help us to have a burden to reach the lost. Help us to have a burden to reach our neighbors, um, our our loved ones. God, I pray that you renew that burden and just encourage us, Lord. Um, strengthen us for the work, for the labor. Uh, Lord, I know there's some people in here they they would love to uh, to get back into it and things like that. And I pray that you strengthen their hands, Lord, to do it. And Father, I just thank you so much again for that grace that you give to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.